Yeah, um, we're actually really, really happy to have you here, Michael. Uh, I've been looking at your stuff for a long time. You're a man who wears many hats. Uh, with MMA, you're involved in so <laughs> many different communities. You're a stuntman, you're an actor, you're a writer, you're, you're a producer. Um, and what's caught my eye recently is your, your recent movie out. Would you like to tell us about that and how it came about and your involvement in it? Are you talking about the war movie? Yes. Okay, yeah, so I did this film called Seven Lost. And it was probably the best experience I've probably ever had out of all the films and TV shows that I've done in 17 years. And the reason why is it's a World War II film, but it is told from the angle of Latino soldiers. There's never been a story in cinema history that tells of a World War II story with Latino soldiers. And for people who don't know, there was over 500,000 actual Latino soldiers that fought in World War II. But there's never been a movie that's highlighted it. So even though it's a factual, a fictional story, what you're going to watch, it actually shows of scenarios that could have actually happened during World War II, if that makes sense. Yeah. So... How it happened is I have a, a, a friend. He's a filmmaker. His name is Eduardo Castrillo. He's actually Latino. I've been in like four of his movies. And he just came up with a wild idea. Let's shoot a World War II movie. And I was just like, dude, how the heck are we going to do that? Like, you know what I mean? Unless we have a whole bunch of money to do this. But we pulled it off. And I'm my own worst critic when it comes to movies and TV shows. I've actually done a couple films like indie films before that I knew were coming out and I saw them and I was just like, I don't know about telling a whole bunch of people about that. You know what I mean? Cause like they weren't that good. And I'm the first one to tell somebody like if I've done something, I, I probably really won't promote it if it's lacking because it's a re- kind of a reflection on you. You know what I mean? But yeah. with this one, I'm telling everybody because I've seen it already. And it's legit good. The name of the movie is called Seven Lost. Seven Latino Soldiers, World War II. And it looks like it's going to be released to the public sometime this summer. So I know that was the extended version of your question, but it's the only way I could do it justice. So. No, no, I, I like the answer, and, and that's what I wanted to talk about because it's it's really a good concept. When you see movies come out, mm-hmm. it's all about the block, blockbusters and this. And I'm more interested in stories within within in movies. If you get me, I love the blockbusters and this, and and that's what I loved. How like how you're promoting it, how passionate you are about it, is what really drew me to looking into the movie more so. And how has this? What's the in the Latino community? What <laughs> What kind of a reaction are you getting to this movie? So, so far, I'm not sure if you guys watch, um, if you guys have seen Son of, Sons of Anarchy or The I, I love Sons of Anarchy. Yes, yeah, so there's some actors that are on The Mayans, which is the new spinoff. Um, Emilio Rivera, he's one of the lead actors in The Mayans TV show. So he actually talked to Eduardo, the director of Seven Lost, and that got a phone conversation. They were talking, and he told him, "Hey, we're, we just shot this Latino World War II movie. 
And, you know, Amelia has been in a whole bunch of movies, a whole bunch of movies since like the 90s, I believe, maybe even earlier. Really talented guy, really nice guy. You know, he's Latino, obviously. But to answer your question, we have people of that caliber who have already been made privy of the movie. Rosario Dawson. I'm sure you guys know who Rosario is. She talked to Eduardo. And I think the reason why, guys, that people like them of that caliber are kind of like, you know, widening their eyes to it and really like, oh, when could we see it? And getting a good vibe from it is because the story has never been told. And they, they kind of feel like this is their own words. This, they've even said this on video. It's about time that this has happened. We deserve this. I mean, obviously, this is nothing against anybody who's not Latino. My wife's Caucasian. She's amazing. I'm just saying. You know what I mean? Like, it's just never, we've never ha- had somebody tell this story for us. And people of that caliber, like Rosario and them, they're super excited about it, you know, to answer your question. And I am really uber excited for the public to see it. I mean, I want to, not just because I'm one of the actors in it, you know, the director's my friend. And if I was not in his movie, I would still be acting the same right now. And I'm dead serious. Yeah, no, with the reaction, and and I don't think anyone would find offense because it's nice, especially for a culture or a community to have a story told. And especially in Hollywood, I feel when I see Latinos, they're portrayed in such a certain way. And now you get to see them as heroes that they were in, in, in world war. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's exactly it. Um, I've done, I've done a lot of the, the gangster, the bad guy, the security guard. You know what I mean? Like kind of almost like the hand-me-down roles. I mean, Hey, through all the years that, that I was auditioning and people gave me those roles, I'm thankful. I am. But at the same time, we just, we want this recognition. We, we do. Like, there's a, I know a lot of Latino actors, man, that quit. I know a lot of Latino actors that are amazing that have never been given a shot. Fact. Yeah, no, and you think that's due to them being typecast and only put in certain roles that they, they don't want to do those roles. They want to do something more fulfilling. That's totally it. And what's funny about this is I've I've actually had issues with being cast as like your stereotypical Mexican guy that's going to play like a gangster because I've had a lot of the like producers and like different people they kind of told me, you don't look Mexican enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Even though I am, that's what I am, a Mexican-American, even though I am, I've had the issue of you kind of look mixed or you look Italian. So even though I'm Mexican, <laughs> I've had trouble playing the Mexican in Hollywood. I, I, I know it sounds it sounds bizarre. It sounds so bizarre. Like you'll see movies where you'll see, I mean, I mean, I'm not mad at it. You'll see like the Puerto Rican playing the Mexican or you find out that guy's Italian and something and he's portraying a Mexican or 
obviously I don't I don't have any issue with it. I'm not gonna like tell the person like, oh, you're not a real Mexican. No, it's cinema. Like it's you know what I mean? It's film, it's TV show. But I'm just kind of making a point that like even I've had issues with that. You know what I mean? Could it be that maybe it's just that the uh, nothing against you in particular or personally, but maybe mm-hmm. the producers and directors they just want a certain look so the audience can get a certain feel so it seems much more realistic when they're when they're watching the whole uh film 100 percent, absolutely look usually takes you a lot farther than talent so i'll give you two scenarios right here really quick you could take a person you know, you know how you watch movies? Sometimes you watch TV shows and there's always that dude that has a weird face and he's playing like a villain, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I've seen that guy on like that other show or I've seen him on this, but you see him a lot and he's, let's say he's, you know, on a talent level, let's say he's good. Let's just say, let's just rank him seven or eight, or let's just say, but he has that real strong look. He's going to work more than the other guy who has the classic all-american look let's just say you know like you like you david clean cut clean no clean cut looking guy you know you got the hair whatever but let's just say in general your look was a lot more like a whole bunch of other people that are moving to hollywood let's just say let's just say right and let's say you're uberly talented as an actor let's just say like your skill level you're taking all the best classes. You're learning with, with all the best teachers. You have a really good agent. But the thing is, when casting is looking at pictures and videos, when he's going, when they're going like this, and that dude with that face comes across, they're, they're immediately going to resonate with it. It's immediately going to burn in their head that it's so strong towards being a villain than it is toward what you would, David. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm one in a million, whereas he stands out uh, in the looks department that he fits the role, whereas I look like everybody else. You you know, you look like you know a nice guy, like somebody who first looks at you for like two seconds, because that's what they're doing. They're looking at pictures like two seconds. Soon as they look at that first two seconds, that first image of that crazy looking guy, he just looks like he's a villain. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna call that guy all day. They're gonna call that guy all day. And I don't think that like I'm like the best looking guy or like, but I know I don't have like a crazy character looking face. And like I have a I can show you a list of like my last like fifty auditions. And they're all like real similar roles, security guard, um, you know, the you know, the war soldier, you know, the bad guy in the scene who's gonna do a stunt, you know, because I have some, you know, like training. But it's all like the cop, the detective, you know what I mean? You're Pretty much the yes, that's my type casting. It just is what it is, man, because I don't have anything crazy the way that I look. I've taken a ton of acting classes. There are some people who have offered me certain type of roles, but like more recently, it's because they had already seen a body of work that I have done for years. So they know I can play the villain type guy. If they didn't know me, if this was an initial audition, I'm going to have a lot more trouble. 
And with that being said, obviously that would frustrate you. And then with mm -hmm. you involved in movies, if you were going to be doing casting, how would you be conscious then of falling into that pitfall of when you would be casting yourself? Um, you know, it's really tough, man, because you want to give people a chance. You want to give people a shot. At the same time, if you're going to be casting, if you're going to be directing, if you're going to be producing, you want the right people to play the right role. But if I knew there's a guy, let's just say his look was wasn't as good as some other dude that maybe have that look, but still it would do. But his talent, I knew his talent was amazing. And I was just feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. See, a lot of the thing is too, when people um, get into the business, when they, when they're auditioning in front of people, like a casting director, a casting director seen people all day, right? They're coming in or they've seen videos all day. They're not only watching you act, guys. They're feeling your vibe. It goes off a lot of vibe. They, they just feel like a certain sense of energy about that person. You know, there's something about that guy. Like he just, he, he has it. There's something in him. They can feel it. It's not just like, oh, you memorize your lines. You know the character. You've taken all these classes. You're real cordial in the audition room. You know what to say, right? You know what I mean? There's a certain there's a certain vibe of a certain feeling where it's not really what they call acting. You know when somebody's lying to you? You know when somebody's lying to you? They, they have just a straight face. They have their own, their whole story already figured out before they're gonna lie to you, right? But you get this weird feeling that they're not telling you the truth and you can't figure it out because they said every single thing right. But something in the pit of your stomach told you, why do I think he's lying? It's that. It gets to a point, guys, that like, I mean, to anybody who's listening and wants to be an actor, it's not acting. It's not acting. It's really becoming whatever it is with the character. Like the word acting is such like, it's wrong because it's okay. It's time to act now. It took me a long time. I'm not saying that like I'm great, but like once my mindset went to that, like that, where it's not acting, this is really becoming, this is really like, I'm no longer Michael. Doesn't even matter who, doesn't matter that the camera's right there. Doesn't matter that these people are watching. None of that matters. This is like life and death that I am this character and I'm going to feel what this character is going through and I'm going to do it. As soon as he says action, there is zero doubt. There's, it's all gone. This is real what's happening. That's, that's, that's really where it is. If you don't, if you're not there when you, if you want to be an actor, if you can't get there, it's gonna, it's gonna be hard because there's actors who are gonna go there. There are. Coming to that point, actually, do you think that's why some of the some of the greatest performances we've got have come from the likes of Heath Ledger as Joker, Daniel Day Lewis in nearly every movie he's done? There's extensive uh, talk of when he 
Daniel Day-Lewis, once he gets a role, he becomes that person for months before. And then he doesn't change character <laughs> until it's over. I've been, from what we've been told on the outside, I wouldn't know one inside, but that's that's how the stories go about Daniel, especially because he'd be one of the more, he'd be one of the uh, ones that he takes very few movies. And when he does them, he does them like that. A hundred percent. And this is, I mean, what you just, you just called it out. It's not a coincidence that you hear that to do that. And then you watch those movies and you, it's literally jumping out of the screen. The character is literally jumping out of the, you're feeling every single second of it. It's because there's zero acting coming from them. Zero. They're so immersed in it that it's coming out of the TV. You guys ever watch Sopranos? Oh, I love it. So I I have had people that I know that were on Sopranos, like people that I know like a long time ago. So um, James Gandolfini, you know, God rest his soul. He was amazing, right, as an actor? Yeah, unbelievable. So let me tell you what he would do. This, this This is firsthand, you know, person telling me when he was on set. He said, you know how his character smoked a lot? Like you would see his character smoke a lot. He had he was so into his character that they would have to bring um, multiple boxes of cigarettes, <laughs> and he had this weird tick thing to where he would open up a new pack and take one stick out, and after he would do the, get the one, he would the next time. It would have to be a brand new pack again and only use one cigarette. Oh, really? I don't know how that sounds, but if you think about that behavior and then you look look at his character on Sopranos, you see what I mean? Yeah. He was literally living the behavior of Tony Soprano on a whole different level. And this is why he was so amazing. He went there, guys. Yeah, he was amazing. And it was probably the benchmark for all the TV shows that we have today. The likes of Sons of Anarchy, um, Mm -hmm. Breaking Bad. He kind of first started the anti-hero. And then obviously because he was so good, it's it's good to see an insight into how they became, became like that and how these actors are the way they are. It's... It's really not easy. Um, this is stuff that I've comments that I heard people say or whatever. And like I'll get messages from people sometimes. How do I become an actor, Mike? What can I do? I'm always honest with people. I don't think I have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. But from the experience, so when people ask me stuff like that, the first thing I usually say is jump in the best acting class that you can. And a lot of times when I respond with that, they'll go silent because what they're really asking me is how can I become an actor right away and start booking roles? Can you please tell me how I can do this, Mike? It's not going to happen, bro. Unless you are one, literally one in a million. All those stories that you hear of like so-and-so moving to Hollywood and becoming a star. Those are not true guys. None of them are true. I'll give you an example. 
Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. You'll hear of a story of they moved to Hollywood in five or six years and they made it. That's not true. They were in Boston and in New York doing theater, making short films, really working on becoming an actor. Then they moved. Then it happened. Vin Diesel. You know that guy couldn't get cast in anything? Did you guys know this? He couldn't get cast in anything for almost 10 years. You guys know that? Well, the thing no, is, but then Vin... I think he, he created Fast and Furious and cast himself, did he? He actually funded his own short film. Y'all, anybody listening can look this up. You can Google it. I'm sure it'll come up. He did this short film that he funded with his own money, which was like $40,000, I think. Something like that. His own money called Multifacial. A short film. It's really good because he's really talented. I mean, I know people you know might not like Vin Diesel for whatever reason, but Duke can act, especially if you can go back and look at his old stuff. He did multifacial. And then after that, um, they somebody saw him. One of the producers saw him and he ended up, I think it was in Platoon back, back in the, the war movie. I believe he was in, that's the one that he was in. Yeah, I think so. Um, no, Saving Private Ryan. I'm sorry. Yeah. So if you if you go look up multifacial Vin Diesel, I'm sure it'll come up. But he because he, of his look, he had, he has a similar um, have a similar like casting type. You know, the shaved head and skin tone and athletic build, but still not like crazy character looking. Similar type parts. You know what I mean? But still not Mexican enough. Okay, you're not Caucasian because we could tell you have something in you. Kind of like the almost look, but there's somebody who has a stronger of that look. But the thing is, if I was about to, to say before, um, if like Vin Diesel, because Vin Diesel has a re- very unique, distinct, distinctive appearance, mm-hmm. um, well, at least in my opinion, anyway, if he, if you do look a certain way. I mean, you just said that it took him about at least a decade before he actually was became an established actor in Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. If that's the, I mean, again, if you do look a certain way, won't it take you, wouldn't it naturally take you such a long while? Because if you do look a certain way, then maybe you're kind of, unfortunately, just, what's the word you can use? You're like, you're locked into a certain niche of certain roles that you can play. And because of the way you look, you can play those roles really well. Whereas when it comes to... An, any other universal or any other versatile role, you can't really get away with it. Yeah. The thing is, it can take time for people to recognize you as that look. It took 10 years for them to say, this is Vin Diesel. He's been trying to show us, okay, I'm going to give him a chance because now I can see it. It took 10 years. He had to put himself in his own movie to show, guys, this is what Vin Diesel is. Ow, oh, he's good. I have deep voice out here. Fast and the Furious. Right? Yes. It could just, it, ta- it takes time. You get to do this little part. You can do that part. You do this part, and I see that, like for me, I have a demo reel where I have a variety of characters 
that it took a long time. It, guys, it took a long time to to come, you know, put that compilation together on this major network TV show playing this, playing this guy who's in love with his girl, completely emotional, showing that, showing the stunt guy that I've been training martial arts for years. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, Michael, now we're going to give you this chance to do this war movie. You see what I mean? Yeah, you've had to do different roles to get to where you've done today. There's no quick fix. It doesn't just happen with everything. You have to put the work in underneath before the success comes. This is true. And the only thing I would say is that can bypass it in these times that we're in. I'll go ahead and bring it up since y'all know the fighting world. The only thing that can bypass that is if you become somebody like Jake Paul. To where your fan base is so, I'm just, I'm just being, I'm just being real. You know, your fan base is so big. Yeah. You have such, you have a lot of people with eyes on your platform that if Jake Paul hit up a producer and said, I want to star in movies, instinctively in their head, be like, Jake Paul's never done a movie. But Jake Paul has what fifty something million followers, whatever it is he has, right? Yeah. He's such a draw, mm-hmm. and he would bring, he would put, you know, see, you know, butts and seats. People would, millions of people would watch the movie. So that part we just discussed, what the years of putting into it. If you have that type of draw, if you were a huge Instagram star. You can bypass it, but Michael, that 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 somehow doesn't it make it because what the points I'm going to make to in response to what you just said there about Jake Paul is that what if this individual can't really act, as in they're just on screen in, involved in this project because they are known for a certain thing because of their fame. <laughs> that's it. But when it comes to acting, they're awful. You can even see that the acting just really isn't that great. And the only only put on the big screen and the Mm -hmm. box office because of who they are the name value and because of the fame that's it well that's the price they're going to pay the producers and director if they actually choose to go through with it they do a little you know screen tests to see okay let's see how jake paul does this role or reads these lines if you absolutely cannot act at all and they decide to go through with putting them in the movie then that's gonna tank that that's gonna tank their reputation regarding their next films and stuff like that. So to answer your question, if they do that, that's on them. Would I do that if I like where I'm at right now? If I was a producer, if I was directing, and Jake Paul hit me up, would I consider it immediately? Of course, guys. Of course, you want people to see your movie, but I'm gonna see. I would send him a scene. Let me see what you could do, bro. And I would be brutally honest. I wouldn't care that it's Jake Paul. I've worked with a lot of top caliber actors. I've been around quote unquote celebrities. And at first when I moved to Hollywood, I was, you know, all wide. I know, well, I get to work with George Lopez. You know what I mean? Kind of like, now I'm just kind of like, cool, let's work. 
Let's see. Let's see if this is supposed to happen. I don't care if it's a list celebrity. That doesn't impress me anymore. If that makes any sense, guys. Yeah, it's the wealth factor isn't there. So working with them. Yeah, it's 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 business. I'm like, I don't get. I'm not starstruck. I don't care about that. I don't. I don't. I don't think anybody should be like that. They're humans. You're right, but the thing is, in this day and age of social media, and people Mm -hmm. want to be. want to be famous want to be on tv for absolutely no reason they just want the fame and the fortune and the popularity without even having say a talent or a skill or a big significant achievement they just be famous for no reason at all the fame is enough for them i'm the first one to tell people i moved to hollywood back in 2003 i lived there for 10 years i live in atlanta georgia now but i lived in hollywood for 10 years I pursued it for 10 years, like 100%. There's times where I literally had no money, but I was in it 100%. And I'm the first one to tell you that it is not what they tell you that it is. It's not. So if you're a person who wants to be an actor and all you're seeing is the possibility of being famous and the likes, rubbing shoulders with all the A-list celebrities, it's a dead end. In that aspect, I'm not telling anybody not to try to become an actor if that's what you really want to do. But the whole facade of being a famous actor. It's its really not what it's cracked up to be. It's not. That's interesting because I actually seen one of your posts and you said moving to Atlanta was the best thing you ever done. Mm-hmm. Can you explain why that was and how you came to that conclusion? <laughs> um, was it just the life of trying to be or trying to be around these celebrities that got you and you you grew away from your roots well first and foremost the first the best thing that's happened since i moved here is i met my wife (laughs) so so for me that's obviously the best thing but you know considering the topic so when i was living in hollywood i had a couple people there they made a couple comments a couple random times and they weren't in, they weren't pursuing acting. I had met them through people who were in the business, but they were kind of just like people who had regular jobs. A couple of them told me that the same thing and it kind of resonated. They said, Mike, you don't get along with a lot of people here in Hollywood, do you? And I was like, at first I didn't really know what they meant, but as time passed, I knew what they meant. So without me saying it out loud, you already know the whole reputation of what types of people live in Hollywood and attitudes and stuff. I'm not like that. And to go back to what you ask about Atlanta, moving to Atlanta, we got the whole Southern hospitality thing. Life is a little bit slower. Um Nothing against anybody who doesn't have more of a conservative mindset because I have a more of a conservative mindset. Nothing against anybody else who might be on the opposite, but I'm just saying my mindset is more like that. And it's like that, regardless of what the news may have told people, it's like that in the South overall. And I kind of feel like I fit in more living here and 
I've had more opportunities as an actor since I moved to Atlanta. There's a ton of stuff that films here. And I've had more opportunities with my casting type. I had more difficulty in Hollywood being Mexican and we're all trying to, to run to play the gangster role or all run into the audition to play this role. Oh, you don't look Mexican enough. Nail that audition. Oh, this person was in this movie. So we're going to give it to him. I felt like I was in a rat race when I lived there here. I feel like I'm not in a rat race. That makes sense. Yeah, no, I like that answer. And I like uh, the, the slower pace of life myself. I used to live in London and now I live mm-hmm. in Ireland and it's a lot slower. Mm-hmm. People are less busy. It feels like you said, more homely, more hus- hospitable, stuff like that. So it depends on, on what way people like to live. But I would definitely choose what, what you've done rather than living in the fast, trying to live in the fast life and like what you were saying, mm-hmm. trying to, you don't want to with, to be those people. You want to be your per- your own person and fit in and be who you are. And obviously that's what you found in Atlanta. 100% guys, 100%. It was before I decided to move. I don't know if you guys like have weird occurrences that happen before you make a certain decision and you realize it was the right decision. I was driving for Uber when I was living in California. And I'm not even kidding you guys. I remember the, the first initial thought of me moving here because my talent agent, he's a friend of mine. And he, he was trying to tell me for like a few months to move to Georgia. And I'm just, I don't know anybody there. Right. But on one random day, I was driving Uber and I saw like four or five Georgia license plates. Like randomly, like in front of me caught on cars. I had probably had maybe seen one in the time that I was, I don't know if you guys believe in like weird stuff like that. A coincidence like Sorry, go ahead, Ike. So it's mean like a coincidence or superstitious um, behavior, you mean stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's what happened. And here I am, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, who knows? Me personally, I don't know. I don't, I don't believe uh, in that particularly, but... Um, I think maybe you wanted to move to Georgia because you wanted to because you thought it would be the best thing, thing for you. Because from what I've been hearing, from what you've been telling me so far, it looks like you're more, you're more like a much more genuine person because I've heard that the industry of Hollywood, uh, especially since Donald Trump was in power and then he's um, out of office now, that um, it's been turned into <laughs> into a swamp and the right the rights are trying to drain <laughs> that, sw- <laughs> that swamp. You know, so... Uh, you know it i have i have friends that still live there mm. and they know who they are i'm not saying there's not good people that live in hollywood because there is mm. but I'm more so pinpointing the ones who kind of have like that totalitarian you know totalitarian mindset and kind of what you just said it re- it really is turned into that I have friends that are leaving Hollywood that have already left. I have some that said that they're, they're completing, you know, they're quitting completely. It, it's, you know, it's sad, like not just Hollywood, but like the world in general right now. Um, I've seen a lot of people making a lot of changes. And I mean, now that we're talking about it, I actually told, I told my wife and, 
I told a lot of people that I'm actually stepping away from pursuing the studio high end part of being an actor. What I mean by that is becoming a movie star with Dwayne Rock Johnson or stuff that's ran by the main studios end that's going to require you to follow all these ridiculous rules. I don't want any part of it. Wow, that's that's quite a big admission. And yeah. that would I would assume then what you're going to go with and you're like, the projects you pick now are going to be more for you and will make you more fulfilled in what you do. 100%. Yeah, uh, I think I was kind of talking about the whole studio system being part of like the bigger studios, like, you know, movies like Dwayne, the rock Johnson and you know, all mm-hmm. the big stuff. Everybody goes to the movies to watch. Uh, yeah. I recently kind of told everyone I'm, I'm taking a step out of it. Uh, just a lot of, a lot of rules and a lot of mandates and stuff that I don't agree with that I'm not going to participate in. And there's no amount of money. That's just the thing. There's no amount of money that would get me in it. And here's an example to kind of support that. I had a huge audition for a Netflix TV show. This is probably a little over a month ago. And I didn't get the part, but the very next day, the same producers, the same casting office, they immediately sent me an audition for the same show, but for a recurring role. So basically in casting, if you're an actor and you get a big audition like that from a major casting office that's casting big shows and they immediately send you something after, that means they really like you. So what they did was they sent me a role. I think it was maybe for like, I don't know, one day role or something. I didn't get it. And the very next one was for a recurring. I mean, I would have had a recurring character, a chance for a recurring character on that same show. But they told me in order to even have a chance to get that role, that ought to be required to follow all the new mandates, which I said no. And my agent was kind of like, Really? That's that's really where I'm at, guys. I I don't I don't care about the fame. I do not care about the fame. I've never been about the fame. Matter of fact, the reason why I even moved to Hollywood to pursue a career because I was going through a very bad time in my life. My brother was murdered about a year and a half before I moved to Hollywood, and for me. I was looking for a place to really escape and kind of heal. You know what I mean? And so doing the acting classes and then doing acting was healing for me. I just didn't realize it at the time. You know, I get let out all the emotions and you know what I mean? So for me, that was my reason for pursuing an acting career. It wasn't necessarily, I'm going to move to Hollywood so I'll become famous. At the time, if when I moved, if it would have happened for me, I'd become like uber famous at that time with my mindset. 
it's not that I would have been like, no, I don't want to do this because I'm famous. It's not why I moved here. Well, no, I, of course I would have went along with that. But you know what I mean? Yeah. It was. It wasn't the the intent of getting in the career. So there's not really anything that I'll do right now. No amount of money. No matter no matter fame. I don't care who's in the movies. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I'm, if something is going against what I stand for, what I believe right now, there's nothing anybody can say to me. I'm not starstruck. I don't care who's who. I don't care. So that's kind of where I'm at right now in, in my career. I'm more so on the independent side and I'm putting more focus into my own videos, which y'all had mentioned, you know, my comedy stuff, you know, my Cholo, you know, BJJ videos, MMA videos. That that's really the direction that I'm headed. And, you know, you guys cover MMA and we're all in agreement here that we love the sport. It's very, it's very exciting. It's very interesting. I like the different type of characters that are in the sport. Con the Connors, and I mean, even though some people don't like him, like Jake Paul, what he's doing, you know, he's giving fighters money to train, and a lot of people don't like Dana White, but he's very blunt, direct. And he doesn't fold for anybody when it comes to his beliefs. I like that. I like that. Um, I, I think it's a very still a wild, wild west um, part of sports right now still. There's still room for people, not only as a fighter, podcasters, you know, uh, people doing creative content like myself. There's a still a lot of room that if you have something good and you connect with the right people, you can really do something with your life within the sport of MMA, especially. And I know you guys know, can see exactly what I'm talking about. We've seen podcasts coming out of left and right. That's what people do now. They make a living off their pot, their own stuff. They're their own managers or their own bosses. And I think it's a beautiful thing. So for me, that's really where my mindset is. I, I just, I've seen a lot of people when I've been in Hollywood, I've seen a lot of people who they compromise their own integrity to who they are. When you said that they wanted you to come back for a recurring role, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you said what turned you, what put you off basically was the, is it the the mandates so that you had to follow what were those if you want to go into that if you can go into that i'll use code words so this video doesn't get you know because ai does the the blast so um that would require me to be fully look i have nothing against anybody (laughs) i have nothing against anybody who's done that look i know i have family who's done that okay i just want to clarify that to any of your listeners, I'm not against you if that's your decision, what you want to do. But it's just not something 
that I want to do. I've had COVID. I beat it. It wasn't fun, but I've had worse. Um, but it's just not something that I feel that I want to do. Um, so when I announced that I'm taking a step back, if somehow this year, maybe next year, the rules completely change somehow, I don't know. And all of that is no longer a thing. Would I come back? Yeah. Yeah. But it's just not something that I'm going to do right now. And I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything, guys. Mm. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Um, I wanted to talk about how the um, mixed martial arts, how you, I mean, there's the acting stuff, but the mixed martial arts aspects, how did you um, adopt that? How did you get into that side of things? So before I moved to Hollywood back in 2003, um, I was training jujitsu at a school in Modesto, California. Uh, The instructor's name is Paul Mendoza. He's a black belt under Health Gracie. I was one of his first students. And this is before I moved to Hollywood to become an actor. I had just quit playing collegiate football. I played football 11 years. And I was just looking for something something to do. You know what I mean? Like I was always a really good athlete. I was a gym rat. I was in the gym. Really athletic, really strong. But after I finished playing football, I was looking for somewhere to put to put that energy. And so I started training jujitsu and I was really into it. And I even thought for a little bit to pursue an MMA career. This was back like in 2001 guys, that long ago, right? I'm 43. (coughs) Um, And then my brother got murdered. And so there was like a whole year. This is like when I, when I was training, there's like a whole year of I lost interest in everything in my life. I didn't care about life. I was mad. I was angry. So I, I stopped training jujitsu. And then, then I moved to Hollywood to do the whole thing. I just told you guys. And then I started training, dabbling back in a little bit in jujitsu. And then I started up my own YouTube channel, the fight Mike MMA YouTube channel. This was actually had left Hollywood and moved back up to Northern California, but I was looking for something creative to create. And I started doing the interviews at different schools. I was going to team alpha male. I was going to go Melendez's gym, AKA I was going everywhere. And there's a lot of schools in Northern California. So I started doing the interview show thing. And then I started doing a little segment where I would do like a jujitsu role with like whoever I interviewed see how fast I could tap me out type thing. Right. So I kind of started bringing that into my whole creative world. And then I stopped that when I moved to Atlanta in 2017, but there was a small part of me in the back of my head that was like, (coughs) I created all these videos for the fight Mike MMA channel, but it's just sitting there. I got to do something with that. But I was like, I don't know what. 
because I don't feel like going around doing regular interviews here in Atlanta. It's not the same thing. I don't know. Something will come to me. So I started doing my comedy videos, the Toker El Cholo comedy videos, just kind of as a joke at first. I kind of, I did it as a joke at first, like imitating, imitating Joker from next Friday. I'm sure you guys seen next Friday, right? Yeah. That's what I, I made to be of. So I did it as a joke. I am, I imitated a couple of his, a couple of the scenes from next Friday and I sent them to some friends and they were like, dude, that was hilarious. The, wait, what? Do another one. And I was like, really? And then so after I did that, I did a couple sketches. And then I just kept going. And then, but these were the people who were initially laughing were people who were all who have always been up front with me, like close friends that like if I do something and they think it's stupid, they're like, bro, that's stupid. They always just like told me the truth. And they all said the same thing. And so I was just like, all right, well, just keep, I don't know, just keep going. Instagram's a thing and I'll just keep going. So I just started making the comedy videos. And as I'm doing them, I wanted to expand and do more. I wanted to do stuff that nobody else was doing. How can I do that? What if I start doing jujitsu as a solo? <laughs> and when I did that, then it really went up the next level. And then I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta team up with people. So then I started teaming up with a couple people, uh, my my buddy Dewey and my buddy Junior, and here we are. So that's really how it happened. It started because I I trained jujitsu years ago and I loved it. Uh, I got a blue belt in jujitsu, and a lot of people were just even Paul, my instructor. He was just like, he would tell me stuff like, man, you got you got something, you got something you know life tragedies no excuses i stopped training but it came back around full circle and here i am and what it actually did what doing the comedy videos actually did it forced me to start training jujitsu on the regular again at a school because I, I i get messages from people saying like can you come to our school and do a seminar and i'm just like well I would say I'm pretty close to getting a purple belt, like with the guys that I that I train with. But anybody who knows like jujitsu etiquette, blue belts can't teach jujitsu. That's just, just they can't. That's just not a, it's just not etiquette. Like it'll kind of be looked frowned upon. So I'm like, I love to, but I didn't I didn't type this to them. But I was like, I gotta level up. But the point being. I started getting messages from people saying, can you come to our school and train with us? Hey, can you come and, you know, teach us some of the funny moves that you did? And so it made me get back to training and it's motivated me, which is also why I kind of feel like going away from the entertainment business. Like I told you guys and focusing on my own stuff, which includes training more is only going to support my future videos and what can it, it can do for me. <coughs> Perfect. So yeah. first and foremost, I'd like, I'd like to say sorry about what happened to your brother all those years ago. Um, that's not something I picked up within the research. Um, with the character, I love the character. I love the jits. 
Um, we were talking earlier about your movie, about how it highlights Latinos. And especially in today's culture, have you got any backlash from the Latino culture for creating that character, for creating stereotype? You mean the Cholo character? Yeah. Have many people said, to you, like, don't do that. That's not representative. Yeah. So when I started doing it, I kind of had it in my mind. I knew I get haters, but I also said, like, if majority of people are laughing, but you get haters, the haters kind of confirm what you're doing. It means you're kind of doing it right. Does that make sense? You're going to get haters that, that are not going to like you for whatever reason. In my mind, I was like, I bet you the people who hate the most when I do get haters are going to be other fellow Mexicans. I've told this a lot to people. The people who've hated on me the hardest are other Mexicans. But the feeling that I got from them is they're either jealous that I had the balls to do it or they're unhappy with their own self. And that's kind of that's kind of the, the, the feeling that I've had, but I knew. But I to answer you like as far as like what people have said, you guys are gonna laugh at this one. <laughs> so I guess by mentioning him, it would kind of be giving him a plug, but I'm always direct and I'll do it anyway. So people started tagging that guy from Mexican martial arts. I'm not sure if you guys seen that you guys YouTube channel. He's got the MMA in the Mexican colors. He wears the hat. He wears a beanie on his head. Oh, videos like one minute, two minute videos. Um, Doesn't do the same content that I do. Does not do the does he content wear a black that hoodie? I do. A black hoodie. Yes. Yeah. With MMA, he teams yeah. up with other people as well. I've seen him recently. He's yeah. uh, he'd be lighter skinned. Yes, would I be right? Yeah. So. When some of my videos started getting thousands of views, uh, some people started tagging him on my videos. And they're like, is this guy trying to copy you? And some other dude was kind of like, and then he would comment back like, this guy must feel stupid about himself, this and that. And I'm just like, we don't do the same type of content, number one. Number two, just because you're wearing a beanie on your head talking like a cholo. Cholo's been doing this since the 80s, 70s. Real cholo's been doing My cousins were doing this. They were real cholos. This is where I get my material from. Just because you created a YouTube channel and you're sitting in front of your computer talking about Khabib and other people doesn't mean other Mexicans can't sit and do what their own thing with the beanie on their head. Matter of fact, my, my character, just like I told you guys, is because of Jacob Vargas from next Friday. He's seen my videos and I said it from day one. I said it from day one. That movie came out what in 2000? 2001? Yeah. When did that Mexican martial arts guy start his channel? Many years after? Not too long ago, probably. I don't I don't know his when he started, but I only know it's in the past year. And he got really mad when Dominic Cruz shared my video and we started working with Dominic Cruz. He got mad. I saw his comments. So, I mean, I mean, definitely not trying to like attack people, but like I said, I'm very direct. If somebody's going to say something, just know if somebody's going to say something to me. Just know this is what you're going to get. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't care if you're a UFC fighter. 
I don't care if you're a famous YouTuber. I work with famous people. I'm a nice guy. But if you attack me, I'm just going to keep it factual and say it is what it is. This is for anybody who may come across my videos and try to say, is he copying that guy? I'm not copying anybody. I'm doing my own thing. And I've proven it from day one. 2011 was when he started his channel. There you go. So, and you know what the the the, the <laughs> yeah the date stamp you see there in the about section may not be the actual start there. I think that's just when you had the account, but it doesn't it doesn't take into consideration when you start uploading videos. So I don't think. But uh, yeah, I think your story checks out. But why? I mean, why do people behave like that? Because that there was an interview that you were in. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was sometime last year. I think 2020 was um or 2000. Uh, 21 but it wasn't too long ago and there was something that you said or the host said about building your brand mm-hmm. that in this day and age with the amount of technology there are smartphones uh tablets laptops and all the smart devices and you know the internet every every device now connected in one way or the other to the internet there is mm-hmm. no excuse to build your brand in a um in a constructive way though social media can be annoying Still, you know, there's no excuse for you to at least do something with, um, with, with yourself and build your brand. Yeah, I, I see actors. Some of them would message me and be like, you know, I've been taking classes and I'm really trying to get an agent, Mike, and I don't have a demo reel. My very first response, especially this day and age. Do you have an iPhone? Yeah. What's your excuse, bro? Because these things with the new type of cameras with free editing software, you can use iMovie on an iPhone to edit. Just learn how to use it. Find somebody who knows lighting to where it looks cinematic. Get good sound. You got a microphone. You know, I got a microphone, whatever. And create a scene. Go somewhere and do an actual scene. What's your excuse? There's not. The technology is in our hands now. Funny thing is, like, these same people, I'll ask them, uh, is there a community college that's close to where you live? Uh, Yeah. Do they have an arts and theater department? Yeah, I think they do. Why aren't you going over there and try to talk to directors? People at the school, they need students in their films. Oh, you think it's not viable because you're in a student film? 2022, bro, the same people at these community colleges, the directors, they have access to the same type of cameras that real filmmakers use all the time. They have access to editing software. There's literally zero excuse from people. I hear all the excuses from people. It wants to have a real, like, how do I get a contact with directors? You got Instagram, bro? Yeah. You're telling me filmmakers are not on Instagram? Should I send them a message? Why wouldn't you? I've booked roles because I've DM people. I'm not scared to DM people. Just have something a value value yourself find something about you believe in it 
get it kind of verified by a few close friends. I might look at your presentation and be like, Hey bro, what do you think? Like, don't be scared to ask, perfect your pitch. Start DMing people. It's, it's amazing. The access that we all have to anything we want to do. So the thing is people send me videos too, of like people doing funny Cholo characters and they're like, Oh, you got competition. And then I'll look at him like, no, I don't. Those are, there's, there's room for everybody. This guy, that was funny that he did. And I'll comment on it. And I've had a couple of them like, oh, dude, thank you for commenting. Like, there's no, I don't have competition with anybody. I don't. Like, if somebody's doing well, it's, it's a podcast or some other dude is doing a Cholo video and he gets, he, his video goes viral. <laughs> that's, that's really where I'm at, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, oh, go ahead. Like. No. Well, I just want to say that that hater like mentality. I, I, I would admit I used to have that before. I had it too. Uh, but these days now <laughs> I'm slightly older. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I see that someone has actually put in the work in the early days and they've gone through the struggles of, at first, they're not seeing much results of feedback. You know, and they just, but they stuck, they stuck with it and they kept on working at it until finally they started to see some success and growing into um, something really successful and big. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, I can only commend them. I'll be envious, but to you, to be honest, when I see the hard work behind all of the success, mm-hmm. that envy is kept in check because they have put, they have put the hard work in. So they didn't, they didn't just get it handed to them overnight. They did struggle and suffer and work and strive for it. So, mm-hmm. no, it, you know, they have um, earned their stripes, you know. Yeah. That's it, man. You know, I can't really, uh, I can't hate on hard work and dedication and just refusing to go away. That goes for anybody doing anything. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I'll probably get a purple belt any day. And it's just like, I put in the time, I put in the time. All the times sweating, all the times my arm almost popping, all the times getting choked. I mean, who's to say? You know what I mean? Put be put in the math time. Goes for anything. I put sixteen years in acting. the The good stuff did not come, guy. When I say good stuff, the stuff that people recognize like on a major network shows or a movie where p- people like looked at my performance and said that was like legit good like a stranger saw my movie or something that stuff didn't come for like seven or eight years guys and the thing is if somebody would have offered me like let's say the war movie that i did if somebody would have gave me that role when i was like seven or eight years into it I wouldn't have been ready guys I wouldn't have been ready and it wouldn't have it wouldn't have done justice that's also the thing too like there's a timing this goes for anything fighter actor you'll click into your time but you have to be able to be there for your time my very first acting class. Listen to this one. This is crazy. This is another one of those um, weird coincidence thing. I was telling you guys about the license plate when I moved 
to Atlanta. Yeah. This is kind of another one of those. My very first acting class I took. Matter of fact, I think it was like the first month I was there. My friend Kevin, who I'm still friends with to this day, he's another fellow actor, stunt guy. He actually used to fight in the underground, the real bare knuckle stuff back in the day. The ones people don't know about. He's the, yeah, he's that guy. He was in that acting class. And he's like almost 20 years older than me. So I was 25 at the time and he was like early 40s. And we were doing a scene together. And in the, the, the acting coach told us to stop in the middle of our scene. And then he was talking to the class about something we did. But while he was talking, Kevin looked at me because he was sitting right here. Kevin looked at me and goes, how old are you, Mike? And I go, 25. And he goes, you'll probably get a lot of work when you hit your 40s. But when he said it, he was like, re- like he saw like a vibe or something. He could see something. And sure enough, when I hit like mid thirties to mid to late thirties is when I started nailing the real stuff, guys. Like I did a movie with Lou Ferrigno. He knew Lou Ferrigno, right? Oh. I, yeah, I did a movie with him called Enter the Fire. And Lou Ferrigno was... The Incredible Hulk, the original TV show that he was in when I was a little kid. That was that was my favorite show. That was my favorite show, guys. So when I booked that role, the first person I texted was my mom. And I told her I booked it. And she goes, what are you talking about? That was your favorite show when you are a little kid. Now you get to star in a movie with him? But those roles did not come, guys, until later. So for me, my timing is now. I know it might sound weird because I said stepping back or whatever. I just don't think it's going to really affect me because all the platforms that we have now, we have our own Instagram, we have YouTube, there's podcasting. There's ways for me to market my own stuff. And there's ways for me to, to book a big movie, even if I'm not like in the same realm as I was with auditioning all the time for all those big movies I've done enough stuff I have a big enough following I have my own content people know I can act and I've done it I've been doing it for 16 years guys hmm. so yeah I actually wanted to say earlier when you said you moved back or when you moved to Atlanta it seems like that was more fruitful for you. You went with the character. Uh, you've kind of, like you said, you're not going to bend to anyone's mandate. <laughs> it seems like that move has benefited you personally, professionally, in more ways than you probably ever would have expected at the time because you've concentrated on your own stuff. You've, you're, you're standing for who you are. And it sounds like that move has really, that has really been like a rebirth for you, let's say. That's how, that's how it looks like for me looking in. Yeah, and I think it was you, Ike, that mentioned uh, about me commenting, building your own brand. This is for anybody who's listening. 
You do not need a big time talent agent, guys. You do not need anybody. I mean, it would be cool, obviously, to connect with this. Like, if you want to be an actor, it would be obviously to connect with many producers and directors. Yeah, but don't minimize yourself, making you feel like you need them. Find out who you are, what you're representing on your own channels, and make it to where you have value and show them, hey, this is who I am, this is what I got. Here's why we should work together. Here's what I can do. And they're going to look at your page and be like, you're showing it. You have the ability to show anybody from around and around the world you have your own channels. This is just crazy. When I first started acting, there wasn't none of this stuff. I couldn't film my own stuff with the phone. Yeah. And now it's all there in front of us. And it's the way we can connect with each other. Like if this had happened 10 years ago, we'd never be having this conversation because I, or 10, 15 years ago, before the internet blown up, before Instagram, I would have never seen your videos. I could have never seen your videos. <laughs> and that's what I love about the technology. There is some downfalls to it, but like you said, it's all there. I wanted to do this for ages, but I was like, I don't have a computer. I don't have this. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to start doing it on my phone. And if it picks up, I'll pick up equipment as we go. And here we are. That's... That's really where it started. My mom bought me this little digital camera. I don't know. I guess it was probably like in 2009, 2010. And when I came up with the idea to go, when I start the fight mic stuff, to go to the different gyms to um, do interviews. I'll, I'll say his name. I, I haven't talked to him in years, but he, here's another thing that happened. So when I came up with the idea to go do interviews, I was friends with with David, the guy who uh, he d- he helps with uh, Josh Thompson's podcast, Weighing In Podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I did this short film in the Northern California Bay Area, and David was an extra in it, and we became friends on Facebook out of that day, and then. He would message me, hey, man. He goes, I would love to work with you on something. He just want to work on something. You know, Dave's a nice guy. And so when I came up with the idea to do the interviews, I messaged him. And I'm just like, can you come and kind of just like record it? He's got a camera. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's not the greatest. But and so that's how we started. And then a few people like really liked the interviews. And then so Dave invested in a camera a better camera invested in a better microphone and then we started adding the funny stuff to it as all of my old stuff is on my fight making mma channel it's all there people could see it there's it's time you know it's date stamped or whatever but yeah i mean as you go you just just up up everything the thing is um I agree with everything you're saying. It's just that for someone like myself, when I started, I'll admit the feedback um, wasn't uh, what, what 
kind of almost kept me discouraged and kind of made me just wanted to stop was basically when I saw the numbers were were really low. Um, that really, I was reconsidering actually whether what I got myself into, and not just that. But before I even got into the whole thing of podcasting and uh, having my own channel, I was really self conscious of my appearance because I've always deemed myself to be very unattractive and ugly. So I thought, well, if I put this on on camera. YouTube isn't like Instagram or <coughs> Facebook. You know, you've really got to make sure that when you're filming something, you're actually feeling what you're saying, you mean what you say, because the audience can see you. With a picture, you can get away with, with pretending, you know, but with, with a video, you really got to put, more or less, put your heart and soul into the message of trying to send out there. Um, but no, I agree with what you're saying. The only downside is that at the beginning, if people see that the uh, results aren't, isn't really bringing in the sort of feedback and let's say the small successes and victories that they're looking to and hoping to gain, that's what could put many people off. It, it took us like more than six months to like really start hitting the thousands of views at the beginning. We got some big people. I did an interview with, um, I did a little funny little video thing with TJ Dillashaw. Uh, This was early. This was pretty early when we did start at the channel. And I just remember putting that out thinking, this is going to hit. This is going to get a lot of views. Got like 200, 300 views. And then do an interview like three weeks later with Uriah Faber backstage. At first, a few hundred views. And then I, you know, started doing, just kept going. But for some reason, I was just like, one of them will click. And then all of them will click. And it took like seven or eight months. And one, well, I can't remember which one video it was, but one of them ended up getting a thousand. And then all the other videos started going up. The prior ones. You just have to know what you have. You got to know. Like I said, Ask those few close friends that are going to be honest with you. Don't be afraid to be your, if you're going to be on camera, do not be afraid to be the genuine you. Because if you're trying to be like somebody else, like you're going to do interviews, I'm going to, you're going to try to be like the schmo. Cause he's, he's good at that character that he does. There's something in it, even though it's funny, there's something genuine in his personality that makes that work. Just like my toker um, character that I do, it's because I know that life. I have cousins who were trolls, and that they laugh because I got all my material from them. So it's coming from a real place, even though it's comedy. So if you're going to be on camera, just make sure you're not trying to be like somebody else. Because just because somebody does something else, it's not going to work. I'd like to talk about. Because you do stunts, um, and you said obviously you trained martial arts before you went to Hollywood. Were you doing stunts before that? Like, did did, uh, did you keep? You said you stopped doing martial arts or jujitsu for a while, but did you keep doing any form of martial arts to help the stuntman? And did it help you being a stuntman overall? So I started taekwondo when I was nine, um, and then when I was twelve, from twelve on. From 12 to like 20, until I stopped playing football, I was completely into sports. And so the thing for me personally, it wasn't just 
training in martial arts, for me, athletic ability and the stuff that I did in my training, like for football in particular, I was a running back in high school and I was a receiver in college and I was really quick and I was really fast and really athletic. I was a little undersized for running back, but my athletic ability and footwork and everything was really, I was leaps and bounds in front of people. So to go back into what you're asking, just working on my footwork a lot, (coughs) it really carried over when I started doing stunts because physically I could do more things than the average person could. And I can't do any crazy like backflips or I'm not one of those trickers that bounces off walls, but like I'm speaking more so like doing a realistic fight scene and moving really well, um, knowing how to fall properly and knowing how to sell a hit properly. So anybody who wants to be a stuntman, when you're not going to be the starring character, most of the time what's going to happen is you're going to be a character who's falling, getting hit. So you're going to have to know how to do those things really well. And I could do those really well. Just in the training that I had, athletic ability, speed, um, and just kind of a natural knack for it. I kind of just had it. So obviously the martial arts helped right? It was more so just like natural physical ability, I think, and staying in shape and just moving really well. I'm lucky. Like even some of the guys are training with now at the jiu-jitsu school, like I'm 43 and there's guys that are in their late twenties. And when you're in your late twenties and you're physically in your prime, you know, late twenties, early thirties. And the instructor makes me roll with those guys. He doesn't want me to roll with a quote unquote Older guys. I happen to stay healthy all these years. I don't know how much more time that I can operate the way that I do right now, but yeah. Um, how did you fall into it? Was it something that you wanted to do or was it something that was suggested and you took the, took the chance on? The stunts? Yeah. <clears throat> so when I was in Hollywood... My friend Kevin, the guy who I told you I did the acting scene with, the guy who told me about getting work when I'm like, he was already doing stunts and movies and stuff like that. And when I was in Hollywood, there's a couple movies that were casting that the acting coach who I was taking that class with, he knew a couple producers, whatever, that should like independent film. He's like, they need fighters. Do you want to do it? Have you ever done it before? And like, and I was like, no, but I could do it. Like, tell me what I. I'm like, no, good athlete, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, it'll be a scene with the main, with the main actor. And he'll just like, he's going to like kick a few of you. And all you got to do is just like, like you got hit and fall down. Well, I could do that. So I did that a couple times in a couple independent movies. Um, and then I kind of just like paying attention to like Kevin. And like, I was like, I, I was like, I really like that. Like I, I was an extra in a couple of Kevin's movies. And so I got to watch Kevin do his stunt fight scene. And I was like, I could do that. You know, and then I got the part in the movie with Lou Ferrigno, Enter the Fire, and the character had stunt fight scenes. 
So one of the producers is the one who um, told the director about me. Her name's Randy. She's a good friend of mine. Um, She's like, hey, she's like, they're casting for this movie into the fire. And I think you'd be right. You're pretty good for it. The character has to do stunt fighting too. And I know you know how to do a little bit of that. So the fact that I did what I had done earlier and just physically being ready for it, when that role came about, it actually helped because it was a lower budget movie and there really wasn't any time for the director and the main actor to have rehearsal dates or pay us for rehearsal because they didn't have the budget. So they had to hire people who they knew who can show up on set, minimal rehearsal, and pull the roll off. So. <laughs> well, yeah. That says a lot about your abilities that you were able to fit right in and you were able to pull off the stunts to act and then everything without having to rehearse. That shows the caliber of actor, stuntman that you are and then the caliber that everyone else was on. Even though it's an independent movie, you probably find that there's a high caliber of actors on that that don't get the chance, like you said earlier. Yeah, so do you guys know who Leslie Smith is? She's fighting UFC? Yes. Bellator? So she was in it. She had a, a couple of fight scenes in it. Um, I actually helped her get in the movie. Um, so she was in it, and obviously she knows how to fight. And she did really well, the stunts. And here's also another thing. Here's also another thing, now that we're on the top of it. That you'll see some fighters, some real pro fighters sometimes that'll have a hard time trying to transition to stunts. And you might say, how's that? Like if they're doing like stunt fight scenes, here's an example. So like boxing, right? You're standing in front of somebody and if you're going to throw a jab, it's straightforward, right? To punt somebody if you're going to jab somebody in the face, right? A movie punch is different. So you got the camera and you're going to have to throw it different because of the camera's sake. So if I'm going to throw a punch at somebody, most of the time, it's going to be out here and swoop across because you want the camera to be able to catch you throwing the punch and finishing the punch. So a real fighter that's been fighting boxing or MMA, you're telling them, hey, for this scene, when you're fighting this person, throw this, this, and this punch. It's not correct way to throw punches. So to them, it's like, it's not really how you throw a punch. And their body is accumulated to do all the right, proper fighting techniques. They've been doing it over and over and over and over. Now you're telling them to throw stunt punches. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it confuses them because they're naturally going to go to how, how you should fight. They're not even going to think about throwing wrong punches because they've been doing it right for many years. And now they're trying to make it the transition to being a stuntman. And there's all these little adjustments. I'm not saying all of them can't do it, but I'm just saying some of, I've seen some of them might have a hard time transitioning or a guy who 
has a really good Muay Thai style, right? And he wants to do stunts. And you have him rehearse a, a scene where he's kicking the other guy. Muay Thai is like power shots, right? Yeah. Those low kick, they're devastating power shots. He might have a harder time than the guy who's a Taekwondo guy who goes into stunts. Taekwondo is like great for stunts because the way you throw your kicks, um, you throw a kick and you can kind of um, stop it in between if you need to, where more Muay Thai is you're kicking through, you're just power kicking through. So it's hard to stop the kick in between. So there's a lot of movements in Taekwondo. It's flashy, looks great on camera, but also for safety reasons, you can stop mid kick and stuff like that because of the way the movements are. So you'll see a lot of times a Taekwondo guy can do wow transitioning over. A lot of little things like that that people don't think about. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's quite interesting. Ike, do you have any questions that you want to get in? Because I'm concerned that I keep talking over you the whole time. No, 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 it's okay. Um, when you say stunts, mm-hmm. what can I what can I think of that comes that comes to mind? Um, well, that's not something that you may like to, that you may like to talk about. But uh, what about you know injuries and stuff like that? You never ha- had any. <laughs> thankfully, never had any of that uh, issues like that before. Me personally. Yes. I haven't, thank God. Um, I've been paired up with some really, really talented stuntmen, martial artists. Like the um, Into the Fire movie, with, we're going to go back to that one because it adds to this. So the main character, besides Lou, is a gentleman by the name of Ian Lauer. He's a a friend of mine on Facebook, Instagram. Um, He's a really good martial artist. He works really hard. He used to be um, a bodybuilder. He's a really good actor. And he's the one who choreographed all the fight scenes for the movie. And he did it with minimal time. And nobody got injured. Not one person got accidentally hit in the face. Not one person got accidentally kicked in the face. If you guys want to go watch the movie, I think it's still on Amazon. And go look at the amount of fight scenes. He choreographed all those with literally almost no rehearsal. And nobody got hurt. Nobody got hurt in a low-budget movie. Some people, they naturally have it. There's not, I was going to say, David, some people, like naturally they have it. That, that sort of talent, just do it, just almost like on the spot. Yeah. Mm. He's, um, I was really impressed with that guy. Like, mm. after that was over, it was just like, none of us got hurt. And we pulled this movie off, low budget. A lot of last minute castings too, with like the fighters. A lot of last minute, not any rehearsal. Yeah, that's that's pretty uh, 
successful. How, this might seem like stupid questions, but I've never been in the movie business, don't know anything about it. How would someone go about choreographing? Would you get the two people together and explain, okay, you're going to do this kick, this kick, <laughs> this kick, then you come back with this, what either, or would you do practices? Or what way does that work? Well, with this one, so they already had a script. There was already a script done that was given to him and everyone else. So the scenes were kind of written out, like as far as like the actual, what's happening in the actual fight. There's a very brief description. So he had kind of like on a base of what was happening with the character in each scene. So it kind of made sense. Like for instance, there was a scene where he goes into a bar and he's trying to pick up on a girl and there's a guy there. The character gets jealous because he's trying to talk to the girl. So he picks a fight with him. So the scene is already set up. So it helps him already had then how to choreograph that fight. And that scene in particular with the, in the bar, the person who did the stunt fight with him was my, my friend, Stan, Stan Marshanook. He's a professional boxer. He lives in Northern California. He's trained with Matty Pacquiao and, other people I actually met him by randomly stopping by his gym to do an interview when I was doing the fight mic stuff. Wow. I stayed friends with him and he saw that I was doing movies and stuff. And he was like, whenever you got something, bro, I want to get in it. So I got him a part in that movie. So I am the actor in the movie knowing that Stan was playing that character and knowing Stan is a professional boxer and then knowing what's happening in the scene then already he can kind of come up with in his head, obviously going to have to utilize his hands, stands, you know, hands, because this is really good, really fast. Showcase a little bit of that and how to counter that. And that's what they did. It sounds so simple, but yet so effective. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just... He's Ian's a really good martial artist. He just he has knows multiple styles. I think he's about to get his black belt in taekwondo. Um, he has a black belt in kenpo karate. Uh, I think he has a black belt in something else. And he's been training jujitsu a lot recently. So really well, really well trained. Really good reactions for film for movies. Really smart guy. Really smart guy. And. Just mentally prepared. I don't know how to stress that like with anything. It's amazing how much you can accomplish. Let's say you might be lacking in talent and something. But if you're just like mentally prepared that you are going to execute it, what you can accomplish. So he just had all those things. And proven point, nobody got hurt. So it kind of just validates that. You executed a full feature film, multiple fight scenes with different styles. You had a guy like me, and then you had Leslie Smith, UFC fighter, and then you had Stan, professional boxer. There's this other gentleman named John, o John Ozuna, kung fu guy, does crazy spin kicks and stuff, weapons. He was in the movie. All those different styles. Those are different, those are the different movements different instincts so when no rehearsal he had a good kung fu guy the boxing guy the mma guy the crazy cholo guy even though i'm playing cholo <laughs> and pull it off 
and he pulled it off. Nobody got hurt. And would that be very rare that no one gets hurt on a movie set? Yeah, it'd be, I'd say, nearly very, very extremely rare, yes? Yeah. Um, even though I've never been on one of um, Kung Lee's movie. Kung Lee, you guys know that he does movies, right? You guys wear that, right? He's fight UFC. Yeah. and He's done several, actually. His style is amazing for, for film. He's, you know, he has really good kicks and he's really quick, fast, and explosive. I've never heard of, I don't know if it's true or not, but I've never heard of anybody getting hurt. It's Kung Lee is really proficient. Like he's really good. He's a really, not only was he obviously a really great fighter, he's a really good stunt guy. And that's a hard thing to be able to say. That person was a world champion in real fighting. And he's top caliber stunt guy. Because there are adjustments you still have to make for the camera. All those years of training, 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 doing all those movements, some, there are still adjustments that you're going to be able to pull off like this for the camera. It's different than your physical style, your martial arts style, and be able to pull it off. Yeah, so like you said, obviously, because he's he's trained one way to try and to undo all the years of work that he'd done. Is he full time now in 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 doing stunts? Um, I believe it's it's not just stunts, but like he's producing. He's a producer on his movies, so he's made a lot. I mean, you could actually look it up. He's made a lot of a lot of movies. Um. He did this movie with Gilbert Melendez was in too. A couple of years ago, three years ago or something like that. Yeah, I'm friends with Gil. And I watched the movie and I was texting with Gil. Man, why you let Kyle do that to you, bro? I watched that movie. And he was like, oh man, well at least I hit him over the head of the bottle. Just like joking. You know what I mean? That's what happened in the scene. But yeah, it, I mean, it's cool to be able to um, text people like Gil and you know, it it go it goes back to there's really no excuse if you want to make something of yourself. I picked up a camera, a generic camera, and I said, I'm gonna go do interviews. Next thing you know, I'm doing those interviews. Next thing you know, that's my friend now. World champion fighters, like texting them. Hey, what's on my Gil laughs at my Cholo videos. Yeah, he's in one of them, isn't he? You call through his door, and he opens it, and you run away. That's... But not only him, there's quite a few. I, there was one you've done recently as well that I like with uh, Max Griffin, the, the Judge Cherry one. Bro, it's it's a it's a really cool feeling to me. These these fighters, these MMA fighters. I mean, obviously, it's nothing against anybody I've ever worked worked with as an actor in Hollywood. I'm definitely not talking down on them. But there's a different kind of value that I put Gilbert Melendez, all these fighters, in a different place. I look at them, I look at them a notch higher because a lot they had to work for 
every single inch to become who they are in a sport of fighting. Because it's not just physical. There was very, like when Gil first started, there wasn't hardly any avenues to make money. Being an MMA fighter, like in the early 2000s, think about that. Were you making any money, like fighting in King of the Cage? And like, that was pure love of the sport and trying to make something of yourself. Because, you know, it comes from wrestling and all that stuff, right? There wasn't really an avenue for money back then. Mm. On the other flip side of like, it's possible back then or right around when I went to Hollywood that you could go to Hollywood I don't have to get hit in the face. Um, I don't have to physically suffer, both mentally too. And I have any money. You know, I have a lot of money back then, but there was more of a chance monetarily to do something than somebody like Gilbert Melendez when he first started fighting. So for the fact that somebody like him stuck through it, Max Griffin, I started doing interviews with Max Griffin when he was fighting in regional shows. I'm not sure if you guys saw me in any of my older interviews I did with him. Uh, uh, no, I haven't seen your older ones. I went through some of them today and yesterday, and I've seen you quite a few. You'd like Frank Muir. Um, you've mm-hmm. also done work for MMA Island. I don't know if you still do. Um, but I'd look to, I haven't seen They haven't before. asked me it. Sorry? I'm just saying they haven't asked me in MMA Island. Um, I'm friends with Chris at MMA Island. Um, but yeah, man, whenever they really want me to do something, I'll do it. They're they're really nice guys. All those guys on the May Island, really nice guys. Um, I won't say the fighter's name, but I'm just going to bring this up, you know? So something happened recently. Um, an ex UFC fighter. I'm not going to say who it is. Kind of got mad at the MMA Island guys. A couple of them in particular about a post that they put and it wasn't anything like vile or super derogatory or like they were, it was just MMA Island publishing kind of news. Right. And this MMA fighter got mad, like legit got mad at them. It was like blocking some of them and saying stuff to them. <clears throat> I got really offended, honestly, because the way that they did it, because the guys at MMA Island, they're, they're most of them are younger guys. Some of them are late teens, some of them are twenties. I'm in my forties, and when that fighter did it, I was literally two seconds away from messaging him and saying, "Don't be a fucking bully." Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. but obviously, within. Don't... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, don't try to punk these guys and get think you're going to get away with it because you're a professional fighter and they're not. You can go ahead and do that to them, but you're not going to do it to me. And I'm part of MMA Island. I didn't do anything, but I was literally two seconds away from doing it. I, I just I just don't like that bully mentality. I, I don't like it. 
I don't like the, anybody doing it to anybody. A lot of MMA fighters I've met are really nice guys, so I'm definitely not talking to majority. But every once in a while, you'll see one that'll do something like that. Not cool. No, it's not. And especially, like you said, these guys, MMA Island, and especially because I know one or two people that have, I don't, they haven't worked with them, but they've talked to them or collaborated with them from over here mm-hmm. and said they're really good guys and they give people a chance as well. Because I know there's a guy from Ireland who was on it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's people like them, they've gone very big, and there's, there's all these people like the MA Island, myself, and Ike, and others included. We're just trying try to put a shine on to <clears throat> MMA because we feel there's not as much shine that they get. And then for a fighter to do that would be kind of discouraging because, like you said, he's a professional fighter. I'm not. Ike wouldn't be. Like, that is a real bully thing. Like, if, if someone's met with that confrontation and you're not a fighter, that could cause people to be like, oh, do you know what? I'm not going to get involved in this anymore because you could potentially get hurt when mixed martial arts isn't like that. And people like that should be, I, I, like I said, don't say his name or anything but people like that like you said you should call him out or someone should call him out and say this you can't do this people are just trying to do this for the betterment sport and they have to be open to criticism as well you see that's it that's it it's like you're a professional fighter right and you're getting all up in your feelings about an instagram post that's real news that they didn't lie about Think about that. You got in a ring all those years and people hit you in the face and you could take that, obviously. But you're getting in your feelings from an Instagram post, bro? And you're going to try to punk and bully these young guys who've been nothing but nice to everybody? All they're doing is sharing news. They're doing their job. And was anything ever resolved from that? Did he ever unblock them or apologize or? Um, I don't know if he unblocked them. Um, I I don't know. I honestly don't know. Like, I just like stepped back from it, and I I talked to a couple people from my island. I said I said a couple. I kind of said what I just told you guys a little bit, and I just left it alone because I was just like, you know what. If he's going to get mad at that, then that tells you where he's at mentally. But at the same time, I'm just like, if, if I've done interviews from MMA, MMA Island, I'm sure I'm going to do more. And if if I'm just reporting news, let's say it's me interviewing and I'm reporting news and a fighter got mad at me for reporting news and he said something to me, damn straight, I'm going to say something back. You think I'm going to be scared to say anything back? You think I care who it is? No. I used to get my ass kicked by my dad bad when I was a little kid. That scared me. That hurt. And there was not, there's nothing I could top that. I'm not saying I'm the best fighter in the world because I'm not. But I'm just I don't like I don't like people who bully. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. no. It's Absolutely. Like... Yeah. Yeah, I right, go ahead. No, I was just agreeing with what he was saying that he doesn't like people who bully and uh, <laughs> I, I understand the point he's making completely. So let's talk over you. No, you're fine. Dave, have you got a question? No, no, no. Like, it's just uh, I was going to wait for you to uh, make your point. Okay. 
Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying, especially with the fighters and with the MMA island guys. For you, you, you've been in the sport, so you can obviously, and you fought, and you're older. You, like, you've grown up, you've done this, whereas I think it's it's a bit of a cheap move for what he done to the guys and hopefully didn't take, take it to heart. And they're still doing what they're doing, and they're doing fantastic, so more power to them. Um, yeah, and some day, of these... He needs these, them as well. Yeah, the, so the thing is, it's like, Okay, let, let's say let's say I did it. Let's say I was the one who did that. So let's say you got to like your guys' platform, right? And let's say um, your platform is like legit going out of the way, helping fighters or whatever, right? And let's say your platform was promoting guys that were fighting at my gym, up-and-comers, like regional guys. And then I do that to you. I just now hurt my own up-and-comers who are still trying to make a name for themselves because I decided to be a dickhead and get mad because of what you guys posted about me on your page. So now it's going to hurt the guys that are training with me at my gym who you would be willing to promote our gym. You had been, and they're trying to get sponsors because a lot of these guys that fight on regional shows don't make any money. They got to pay for their own blood work and everything. And I'm going to be a dickhead because of something you posted. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, especially if it was news and it was true. And like I said, not derogatory, nothing offensive. That was something that was in the news and was just reported, which was probably reported by all the other pages and websites, etc. as well. Did he get mad at everybody? So I don't know, especially for the growth of MMA. I don't think it's a good it's a good thing to do. Like I said, if if that happened to me, as for a pro fighter in a gym, was was like that to me, I'd be mm-hmm. like, no, I don't want to go to his gym, even though he's got good fighters there. There's good fighters coming up. I don't want like I I don't want that confrontation. I don't want like if he's gonna be like that, f him. Like honestly, me personally. My wife at first when we first started dating and like she saw like my behavior like on like Instagram and like everything and like putting myself out there my making fun of my own self. At first she was just like, dude, this takes like balls. Like you're wanting to people people to make fun of you. And I'm just like it automatically takes away everyone's power. So when somebody makes fun of you and you're like, dude, that is funny. Let's keep adding to it. How can I add to the what you just said about me? Let's make fun of your own self. Honestly, I don't care if people make fun of me. I don't. So if somebody put up a derogatory post like that, I don't care. Cool. I'll probably laugh with you. That's the best attitude to have. Like I said, you take away their power then. Laugh with them. I mean... Are you punching me like if are you punching me in the face? Are you really hurting me? You're putting up a post on a cyber wall, bro. But there has to be a limit, of course. Uh, if they say, there's a line that of course if they cross it, if they start insulting, if they go beyond insulting your taking digs at you, if they let's say start insulting your parents, like your mother, you're gonna react, definitely you're gonna retaliate. <laughs> I mean, if they said your mom's this or that, honestly, it wouldn't bother me. I'd be like, have you ever even met my mom? 
Do you know what she looks like? No, because I don't post about her. So you never, you don't know her. Basically, like that joke is like the same thing as a twelve-year-old. I'm sure you can come up with something better than that, bro. And I'll laugh. Like, damn, you got to be better than that, bro. Maybe I can help you with one. I like the I like the attitude. I like the attitude. <laughs> wow. I, I, I don't know, brothers. I literally have something for everybody, and I'm not trying to be like I'm gonna one up you. It, it's just that isn't like those type of jokes. Like those, if you're trying to get at me, it's never gonna work in a million years. If you do come up with something legit, good and funny, I would legit start laughing, and I would tell you that was freaking good, bro. You got very thick skin. Life is going by really fast. Mm. I'm 43. I remember when I was 18. Is it really going to matter that some dude made fun of me on Instagram? <laughs> yeah, true. Wow. Okay. Um, Michael, can you join us again for one last slot because the uh, time limit's on again? So saying less than five minutes. Cool. I yeah. Have to meet, I have to do something in fifteen minutes, so I won't be able to join. So the two of you can reconnect, but I I won't be able to reconnect because it's after getting late here. I have to meet someone in fifteen minutes. Okay. All right. Yeah. So well, if you, know, you want to reconnect, and you can just put me in the still <laughs> for the last bit. But um, it's been really interesting talking to you. Well, I could like could do this all day but I do have to meet someone but I yeah yeah um it's been really interesting to talk to you and I could talk to you all day more and more and more um mm-hmm. we you in regards to your movie you're saying it's gonna be available in the summer so for the likes of us in the UK and Ireland how could we avail of that is it gonna be on a platform or can you just buy it digitally or has that been figured out yet? So yeah the director hasn't figured it out yet but it'll be on a digital platform. Yeah, as soon as I know when it's coming out, you'll be able to watch it. All of his other movies are on digital platforms that people could see around the world. So, Perfect, because yeah. I'd really like to see it and like to mm-hmm. see from the point of view, uh, especially, like I said, I like stories. I like I like the, the stories that people don't get to talk about that often. That's what I like to really interest in, and that's what really interests me about you and why I wanted to talk, why we wanted to talk to you. So thank you. Yeah, man, of course. Thanks. So, yeah. Anytime. Okay, Michael, this is going to be maybe you might find like an awkward question, mm-hmm. but you're good friends with Dominic Cruz, another yeah. fellow I've seen. Um, how did, first of all, how did you guys um, cross paths? So, he's his uh, training partner, Orlando. I'm not sure if you've seen him on his post. His name is OJ Jimenez, is his. Uh, Instagram. That's uh, Dominic's good friend and his training partner. He's also an MMA fighter too. Really nice guy. He's actually the one who saw one of my videos and then told Dominic or gave it to Dominic and Dominic shared it, reshared it. So Dominic is half Mexican. I'm not sure if you guys know that. So it's kind of fitting that somebody like him was actually out of all the MMA fighters, UFC fighters, to share my video. Because, you know, they get he gets it. They, they get it. They get the comedy. He probably grew up around with people like that. 
Just like I grew up with people like that. Cousins that were like that. Obviously, the character is an exaggeration. But he probably grew up around real cholos. So he can kind of appreciate the comedy, how ridiculous it is. And that's really what happened. He saw my video, shared it, started following me. I was already following him. And then I just messaged him and I was like, thank you, man, for sharing my stuff and blah, blah. And started talking here and there. And then one day, um, my guys that I film with, we decided we were going to go out there to Southern California. And I messaged him and was like, hey, we're going to be coming out there to film some content. Are you down to film with us? He's like, absolutely, man. Let me know when you're here. And the rest is history. So awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. I I know I have listened to him his uh, watched the content where he's involved is it with the Osmond Fire so where he he's given like a team of amateurs to coach and there's the other guy who was Harai Faber at the time and at the time they were nemesis that they were arch nemesis of each other at the time and they really didn't like each other is he that well spoken in in real life because I listened to him when he's on that show when he's commentating with the UFC is he that does he not swear? Um, I haven't. I don't think I've heard him cuss, but it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. When you're your true self on camera, because you see him when he does uh, analyst work, when he's on camera speaking, not only just because he knows fighting, but he is really articulate. And, and the reason why it comes off really well when we're watching it, because like I was saying, he's not trying to be somebody else. So to, to you know, kind of directly answer your question, yeah, that, that's Dominic. But, you know, he's a really nice guy. And I'm not just saying this because if you shared my stuff, we brought this, we went there again recently. And this time we brought another person with us my buddy joe elmore who now i do a podcast with now we have two episodes to put out joe elmore is a professional he's a bare knuckle fighter in the bkfc so joe came with us and joe had never met dominic um of course he knew dominic was of course and joe is always like a fan of dominic his style and everything so when we brought joe with us immediately Dominic saw that he was with us. He was open arms. He was actually showing Joe some tricks that Joe's probably going to end up using in his fight. He took the time on sparring day. We just got done hit, getting hit in the face multiple times with a sparring partner. He let us watch, let us watch a sparring session and then took the time with Joe for like 10 minutes and went over footwork and punch. He didn't even know Joe up until that day. And it took the time to do that. Well, I that answers your question. No, no, of course. I, look, I'll be honest with you, Michael. I was saying to David before um, we came on that um, I was kind of tarnishing all mixed martial arts fights and people involved in the sports, or, sports or combat sports that they're all they're potty mouthed guys that swear and curse. Or they're just filthy animals. 
and to be honest, when he said that I was, I was doing that, I was he was actually right, and that was wrong of me because I know that Dominic Cruz isn't the only one. There's Michael Chandler, there's GSP, and I'm sure there's many others. Just that I don't know of them um, name wise. So um, I do know that they're <laughs> stupid people. You know, they're quite articulate and intelligent. Yeah, another person who comes to my mind. Um, speaking of you know, really intelligent people and a person that a lot of people really don't talk about. You guys know Chris Holdsworth? Yeah, our team alpha male who's who can't, I don't think he can fight professionally anymore, can he? No, that was a really unfortunate story. So I'm not sure if you guys saw my, I did like a series of the, yeah. the Troll MMA series. Chris was the first episode. He's the first person we filmed with. Man, talk about one of the nicest guys. Not just MMA fighters. One of the nicest people you will ever meet. He's so open. He's really smart. He's really funny. Here's the thing about Chris. like <clears throat> We try to tell him he should try to do comedy. But I know, he, you know he's one of... Thank you, babe. Look at my wife bringing me water. Um, I try to tell Chris, you're funny, bro. I used to try to do some comedy videos maybe, but, you know, I guess I kind of get it from the position that he's in. You know, he's one of the head fighter, or head uh, coaches at Team Alpha Male, and it's like, then all of a sudden start to do comedy videos, right? Yeah. But what I did tell him to do, though, and he started to do it, I'm not sure if he's doing them. Or hasn't done them. I was like, you should do instructionals, like jujitsu instructionals, because he's phenomenal at jujitsu. Have you guys watched? Really watched them? No, I haven't really watched them. I would have seen. I would have looked into him a bit with the whole incident that happened because I remember Cody had had talked mm-hmm. about what TJ had done to him, and I'd done a bit of research into him. Then that was about two years ago. I haven't. Not that I don't follow him. It's just some things just don't come up on my feed as much as they as they used to. Yeah. Chris is one of my favorite people, dude. And there's a lot of people who will agree with me when I say this. If that wouldn't have ever happened to him, there's a lot of us that think he would have been the world champion, bro. You just watch his skills when he was on the Ultimate Fighter. This is when he was on Ultimate Fighter. And he's still at that age where like he was going to improve still. Hands so good. Timing so good. Jiu-jitsu, phenomenal. Wrestling, obviously, great. You know, training a team alpha male. Really smart guy. And then he just couldn't fight anymore. I was just, oh, dude. Yeah. It is is unfortunate. um, Especially these things happen. But uh, he is one that was talked about. Like, the likes, you've seen the likes of, of... some established fighters saying, yeah, he was definitely going to make all of my team alpha male had said, like, he was coming up. And then you get someone who's too aggressive. And then to do that to a training partner is seems a bit, seems a bit much, but these, <laughs> these things are going to happen. Yeah, I mean, this is a fight business we're talking about, right? Like, we can't expect things to go over nicely all the time, right? Yeah, this is the fight business. There's a guy in Ireland actually. He had started GoFundMe. He was 
he was defending a takedown in whatever way the guy threw him and he said the, the guy didn't need to throw him the way he did. He's now paralyzed. He now cannot walk. And then that's what people said, like, okay, people are going to get hurt, but like, what kind of train, like, what kind of training or throw was he doing? This guy's now paralyzed. He was a pro fighter. He was one and zero or two and zero uh, on the regional scene, and then your training partner throws you down and get injured. To that extent, seems a bit much. But the GoFundMe has been successful. That we they've raised the money because uh, he has to go to Germany to try some new trial, and we're go- they're going to see how that goes, and hopefully, hopefully he can walk again. But like these freak accidents do happen. You know, man, that's it. Um, I'm sure the guy who did it, he didn't do it on purpose, bro. You think he wanted yeah. that to happen to him? No. No. It's a, it's a fight. It's a fight game, bro. Um, just in jujitsu, I've had my eye cut open, and this is not striking. And I've still caught elbows, and you know what I mean? Yeah, I had my arm popped a couple times, and I couldn't train for weeks. And ankle popped, where it turned all purple, limping for like two weeks. And that's just jujitsu. That's only a part of MMA fighting. So, actual striking and going at it. There's so many more injuries that happen that we just never hear about it, and they don't talk about it. I've been into gyms where I'll go to interview a guy. And they'll tell me before the interview starts, like, yeah, don't ask me about this, man, because I'm probably actually going to have to pull out of the fight. And I'm like, what? And they'll show me, like, their knee or something. Like, we just, I just did it in training a little bit ago. And they'll never say why they pull out of the fight. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's all the time. It's, MMA fighting is ridiculously hard on, on the body. Mm-hmm. Think about about that <clears throat> no the, the not just the fasting itself also making weights and the strict diets you gotta eat to follow and um stick to so no definitely i know yeah um i don't know how they do it i don't know how they do it the weight cutting seems a bit extreme nowadays, doesn't it? They they come down from so large to to gain that extra to gain the advantage of being bigger man that night. But like, how much effect do you think that would take on the body over years? I I would wouldn't be good. I would would have to assume. So I don't know how long ago it was. It was like more than five years ago, at least. So Uriah Faber was on, um, I think it was Dr. Oz. And they went over this. So the doctor did some kind of, kind of test on fighters or wrestlers, or I can't remember exactly, that do the weight cut. And they analyzed what happens when you, then all of a sudden they start drinking all the fluids and stuff. What happens to the body? And your sodium level gets way jacked. And the doctor started explaining when all these imbalances and then boom, you try to jump it, like how bad it really is. And 
I honestly think a lot of like injuries and illnesses and stuff like that later that these fighters have is because they're constantly breaking down the body. Think about this really. Think about this one really quick. L- listen to this one. Imagine they're telling you, David, okay, you have a fight in six weeks. Sign the contract, right? So you're like, boom. You go right into training camp, right? First week and then second week and then third, fourth, and fifth week, you're going hard. That's like your peak weeks, right? And then your last week is when you're you're going to go recover, right? You're telling your body, okay, now I'm going to tone down and go into recovery mode. So now your body's like, okay, now I can really cover because I'm not getting hit anymore. I'm not redlining my heart physically. So now I'm really starting to chill. And your body's like, thank you. And then right when it's getting comfortable, you suck it dry with the weight cut. You think about that? But it was trying to recover still. And all of our bodies are, are not the same, right? Like my metabolism's but different than yours, yours is different than mine. The way your body, David, maybe the way it distributes carbs or fats. Might just might be different. I don't know. Just the way the chemistry of your body is, right? You same thing for you. I could just what the way that your body is naturally, and the way that you've trained it to be. Even though you might not be like into sports, but you've your eating habits, and the way that you started eating as a child, the way the chemistry of your body, the way that you started it, when you do this same type of bike camp and weight cut as maybe Uriah Faber the levels in your body, the way to adjust to sodium and like water retention, it's not going to be the same. So it's a, a matter of how it's going to work out for you. Like, like Uriah Faber, for instance, I know he's wrestled since he was a kid. Right. So I'm sure he was already doing weight cutting. Right. Since a long time ago. So Uriah Faber's body, when he was fighting in the UFC, oh, I know what this is. I gotta, I gotta shed this off. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And then, let's say, I don't know, somebody who's not a wrestler that didn't wrestle, never did weight cuts, not even in high school really. Maybe they played in competitive sports. Maybe they were a really good football player. Maybe they were a meathead, and then they just their body wasn't doing that. Right, I want to be an MMA fighter now. So now you're putting him in the same category, doing the same things. Uriah Faber tells him to do this weight cut. So I'm not saying that he he's not going to be able to do it or whatever, but the chemistry and the breakdown and the shock in his body, it's going to be different than Uriah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uriah's conditioned his body to it. Yeah. Yeah. So for some people, I think, walking around at 180 pounds or whatever it is, fighting at lightweight, 155, somebody who's wrestled for many years, 
that's normal, right? They, they, they know how to do it. But maybe somebody who started their 180 pounds fighting on the regional scene, they could be having a hard time, really hard time cutting weight and their body could just not be able to handle it. Especially if you start MMA career late. Because you, you notice a lot of times you'll see some MMA fighter they're in their 20s. They're fighting at lightweight. And then they're in their late 30s. All of a sudden they're, they've been a welterweight for a little My body, I can't cut anymore. That's just a science in itself. Um, I do see some people that are not doing those crazy weight cuts that have fought better. Dustin Poirier. Did you notice that? Yeah. Even before him, um, Rafael Dos Anjos. He obviously he did good at lightweight, but he did well at welterweight. Well, why done okay when he went up to one seventy? He yeah. started off good. Um, yeah. Because you're not training your body, you're keeping it fit, so to speak. Yeah, and it's just like it gets to a point where like okay. What is five pounds or whatever of you wanting to be five pounds heavier than that guy, but cutting down or whatever, or 10 pounds or whatever to the next weight class so you can be 10 pounds heavier on fight night? What real advantage is it? You know what I mean? Yeah, see, that's what I always wondered. Because one thing is that you walk, you fight at your kind of walk around weight, don't they? Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. Also, what I want to get to as well, because obviously you mentioned there briefly, it was something I wasn't aware of. Your podcast, what's the name of it? Who would you do it with? And what is it about? Um, Fight Mike and the Hitman. It's um, with Joe Elmore. Joe, the Hitman Elmore, he's a bare knuckle fighter. So, we have it on my Fight Mike YouTube channel. Well, I have two episodes up there. Um, we're going to have some adjustments still that we're doing. Um, yeah, we actually recorded here at my house and Joe lives down the street. I'm the first one that's going to come out and say this, but Joe is going to be the world champion. I don't know if you guys watch Bare Knuckle Fighting. But I've seen some. The 165 champion, watch. Watch. Take notes, guys. So... The thing about the thing about Joe, I'll just just real quick I'll tell you guys is so with bare knuckle fighting especially, you know how there's just like certain people, they'll stand right in the pocket the whole time and they don't even care if you hit them. Because as yeah. soon as you hit them, they're gonna make you take their hit. People to just have a natural chin. Yeah. They hit really hard. That's Joe. That's why his. That's why people like him are really hard to deal with. You can catch him on the one two, but it's not going to knock him out. As a matter of fact, he's going to keep going forward. It's just a special. It's like it's just a special kind of fighter that is ideal for bare knuckle fighting. So, how has yeah. bare knuckle? Sorry, how is that received in America? Because over here, it's a bit. It's not that popular. They love it here, bro. They love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, 
the viewership's pretty good. They've had some people come over from the MMA scene into bare knuckle fighting. It's I think it's doing pretty good actually. I watch it. I get excited when I watch it, not just because I know somebody in it. Yeah, it you actually had Arkham and Malinaji fought at that as well, didn't they? And Arkham Lobov beat him in that. Yeah, it's it's. You'll see some boxers that come over. You assume just because they're boxers that they're going to do well and beat automatically beat this guy. Doesn't necessarily mean that. It's a it's a boxing slash brawler's circle. That's what it is. Because there is dirty boxing allowed in it as well, isn't there? In the clinch. Yeah. And it's just you don't have padding to protect your face, and it's all knuckle, mostly all knuckle. You know, everything's a little bit different. Okay, so your friend Joe is going to be the champ. I'm going to have to take take notes, and I'll have to put a bet on him to become champ. What is your podcast about and what do you talk about? Is it sports? Is it everything? Mostly is- mostly sports. Um, we've only done two episodes so far and we've stuck to the sports. We're kind of like, kind of like how we're doing right now. We'll have a few topics we know we don't want to talk about, which has been MMA and bare knuckle fighting. <clears throat> and then we just go off the top, like let it flow. We don't force anything. It's like we're three guys chatting, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you guys are writing a piece of paper. This, as soon as you start talking about this, start talking about UFC. As soon as you start talking about like a robot. We don't do that. Um, that never works. No, it, nothing ever seems rehearsed. And I'm like that with my own content that I film. When I have ideas for funny sketches, a lot of it is from a spontaneous idea. And I just go off. So that's why I think just us today doing this, why this worked well. Like, you guys knew you had a few things you wanted to ask me, but then we both just added, we just all added layers. Boom, 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 boom. And it kind of just like that led to this question where you you didn't know it was going to, but it works. Yeah, I find it much better just to have a couple of bullet points maybe that you want to touch on, maybe you won't get to them. Once I ask, for me, it's more about the guest. Once you ask the guest a question <laughs> and they lead off on something else and you could find, you could say something that I hadn't found when I was doing my research on you and I go, oh, tell me about that. And then mm-hmm. it just branches off and one branch to another branch and then you, you're on a topic you never thought you'd even knew and it's even more intriguing for you then because you weren't expecting it. That's it. That's it. Um, and I like not knowing what people are going to ask me. I've had fighters before when I did interviews. What are you going to ask me? <laughs> really? Yeah. You like that spon- spontaneous side of things. And the, see, the thing is, I was always like, so I definitely wanted to ask you, like, is that a fight coming up? I'm oh, definitely going to ask you about the fight. Um, then I'm going ask, to ask you about this, but anything else that you want to add to it, bro, you add to it. Let's just have fun with it. I won't surprise you with anything ridiculous. Is that cool? And they'd be like, oh, okay. And I'll start off kind of like with one of those questions. And I kind of see that here's the thing that I think that helped me being an actor. Instinctively, I'm feeling what they're giving me. I'm feeling their vibe. I'm feeling like what they're 
putting out, not just what they're saying, what type of vibe. And I kind of get a gauge of like, if I can be silly with them or not. And I started doing that. I think because of acting, because if you don't have any connection, you have nothing. You have nothing. And you might think, oh, but if I'm in the suit, got the microphone, and I asked Dominic about Pedro Munoz, then I asked him about this, then I asked him about this, and I'm looking at the camera when I talk and I'm speaking loud, and he answers the question, people are going to like it. What we're all paying attention to when we all watch anything is behavior. You're paying attention to behavior. And I can kind of give you guys a little quick acting. I guess kind of like acting lesson 101. So the camera, when it was the camera was initially created, it was it was created obviously to capture movement or whatever, but the frames per second that what's captured on camera, the way it moves, our eyes automatically kind of subconsciously pay attention to the behavior of what's happening on the screen. But us as humans, kind of overall how we've dumbed ourselves down, thinking that all these things that are so important that are not important. Kind of like when somebody lies to you and you know something's not right, it's because the behavior that you're watching doesn't match what they're saying. It's behavior. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah. That without the, would take away the suit and everything. People want to see your personality and who you are shine true as opposed to a robot that just dresses in a suit mm-hmm. and asks standard questions. They want to see if something about you. They want to see a bit of you. Joe Rogan example. So you know how when Joe Rogan's doing commentating for UFC, he's loud. He's doing those responses. Oh my God. If somebody else that doesn't have Joe's personality, because Joe's being himself. You watch this podcast. Joe is being himself. He thoroughly loves UFC, right? So when he goes, oh my God. That is real Joe Rogan at a whatever other place that's not on TV, that's not in the UFC, that's not commentating. That's real Joe Rogan. And he has a lot of energy and he's so comfortable being Joe Rogan. Like this is who he is. He's not acting like a guy who has to commentate. Or has to go up there and do stand-up comedy. That's fucking Joe Rogan being himself. His behavior, everything he's doing, it's it's a thousand percent organic. It's not an act. And that's what endears me to Joe Rogan is you see more so he's a fan as well. You can feel he's a fan. And then for me, that makes me look at him go. Like, obviously, he's doing that job, but he's just like, he just loves this like me. Obviously, he's trained, but he loves this as much as I do. He's making the same noise as I'm doing at 6 a.m. in Ireland, sitting on my couch, screaming at the TV. And that's that's why Joe Rogan is so popular, because he is authentically Joe Rogan. You can hear in the tone of his voice when he's talking about how excited he is about a fighter, right? Yeah. 
you can you can you can hear the you can hear the excitement coming out of them. You can feel the vibe. It's coming out. Nothing about that's a lie. So yeah, to kind of just like go back to that, like when you're doing interviews and stuff like that, like be your true authentic self and you're going to get farther fast. And I know I'm talking about how like I have it all figured out, huh, guys? But I guess kind of with like any success that I've had, those the ones that worked or is anything I've ever done it wasn't forced. Yeah, me getting into this, this was something I wanted to do for ages. I was in, like, you were talking about how you moved away from Hollywood. I was in a, in a job that was really well paid, but I didn't, <laughs> I hated it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely hated it. Mm-hmm. I earn less money now, but I'm able to do this. I'm now because I, I don't know if you've seen my other page because I follow you on my other page. I cover regional MMA in Ireland. I do this with Ike and then on my own thing, I, I cover regional MMA. Like, I'm going to shows for free. I'm talking to fighters for free. That's what I this did when I started. Sorry? That's what I did when I first started. Yeah. And then that's, and that's, I just started doing it and I'm enjoying myself now. So there's a lot to be said for, like you said, you moved from Hollywood because mm-hmm. of that. I moved out the same thing. It's, and that's why when you were talking about some of the things about fulfillment and that, that's why I could kind of, and it's different experiences, but on the same kind of level, I was like, I get why him moving to Atlanta now because I moved from that job that I didn't like to here. I might be earning less. The money didn't do anything for me in all those years I was there. Now I'm happy. I'm fulfilled. I'm getting to do this creating content and stuff. That's what it's all about, man. Um, when you're stressed, you could see you could see the stress, and you know what I mean. You could see the stress on people, like when they're just not happy in their life trying to put on a facade like they're happy. Those is me. I have like pictures and I could tell you what was happening in my life at certain times. It was kind of just like forcing stuff and I was like tired all the time and I wasn't happy doing stuff. So it affected everything else that I was doing. Guys, um, I think we might have to call it a day or so. (laughs) Uh, David, we, this poor guy's been very patient with us today and, uh, yeah. I have other questions I want to ask as well, but um, <clears throat> I'll confess, Michael, mm-hmm. when I first heard about you was the uh, the, six, the 16 Ounces podcast you did with Josh Thompson and Jake Shields. <clears throat> uh-huh. And then, um, okay, uh, this person, uh, they seem seems a good podcast. So I, found, I came across on Instagram. I followed you and um, I didn't know that that was actually your, your stage name, your acting name. I had no idea that your actual your proper name was uh, Michael, so uh-huh. I was just following that um, Toka page uh, religiously. I had no idea you actually had a proper, <laughs> a proper page at all. So uh, that's the reason why I'm not. I don't have as much, many questions as David does. So um, in that regard, I mean, I I had no idea. Basically, you had a, a, another Instagram profile elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, um, I really don't use my personal page, my regular Instagram page. I had that shadow ban thing happen. Um, and ever since then, man, the reach is garbage on that page. So, And then I started doing the comedy thing. Once I decided that's my thing, I focus on posting there more. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Perfect. So before we go, 
Um, what's the name of your podcast? So if anyone listening to this can then jump over and watch that podcast as well, if they're interested. It's the Fight Mike and Hitman Show. It's on my Fight, Fight Mike MMA YouTube channel. So if you just go search Fight Mike MMA on YouTube, you'll find it. And we'll leave a link for that in the We'll leave a link. Michael, we will uh, to our viewers and to our listeners, uh, for our listeners, you can go to YouTube and watch this. But we'll leave a link to that in the description below so you can get to get to easily see more of your content, Michael. Sounds good, bro. Okay, perfect. And with the movie, once you know where it's gonna be distributed uh, digitally. Let me know. We'll post it on our, our personal pages or whatever. Help promote it. It's something I want to see, something I'm interested in seeing. Congratulations on the whole project and congratulations on your whole career to date. And best of luck with the future. And it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate the support. Uh, anytime you guys want to chat, let me know. We definitely will Bye. get you back on again. <laughs> definitely. There's so much you know. Cool, guys. Perfect. Thank right. you very much and have a good evening, okay? All right, you too, guys. Take care. Later. Take Thanks. care. Bye-bye.